can't hear Brother Jim half the time. He's got that microphone stuck out here, you know, on the side somewhere. Yeah. <clears throat> All right. So if y'all can't hear me, y'all give me one of these or something, and I'll try to readjust it. Um, Advent. You hear that, can't you? Yeah. Okay. Advent. Um, that person that uh, our uh, worship leader was throwing under the bus while I go there it was me. <clears throat> she was saying that um, in her house that uh, we didn't really do a lot about Advent. We didn't know about Advent, so I'll I'll throw these other two people back here under the bus. We didn't know we didn't know about Advent in our house either. Um, and I didn't know that I didn't know that Amanda was going to kind of teach on that a little bit this morning. Um, I found a uh, found a definition because I, I really, I mean, honestly, I didn't really know what Advent was even about. I knew that it happened uh, about this time every year. Um, uh, basically, I guess from uh, from the Christian standpoint, it is uh, for us. It's kind of these four Sundays that is leading up to Christmas. Uh, but the word Advent is uh, from from medieval Latin. It's a word called Adventus which uh, goes back uh, in Latin to arrival or appearance. And in other definitions that we see today is translated as the word coming, or as in the coming Messiah. Um, this morning before we get started, let's, let's pray for a second. Um, we've got a, uh, we got a whole herd of Varnans back in that direction over there that are sick. Um, so uh, if we would this morning, let's, let's pray. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Bad time of the year for that. Um, so we'll, let's, let's, uh, let's go, Lord, in prayer for a minute. I want to ask uh, all you guys, if you would, just stretch your hands back toward that crew back that way for a minute. Lord, we come to you this morning, Father, and, uh, Lord, we want to look squarely into this word that, um, that you got to teach us today, Father, about Advent. And about these, uh, these these things and these stories that that predate all of this, but Father, this morning, Lord, we just uh, we lift up our brothers and our sisters that are sick, couldn't be with us this morning, Father, and we ask you, Lord, that you would touch them, Lord, that you'd heal them, uh, Lord, that you'd make them well and set them back up right again, and Lord, put us back together. Um, and Father, also, Lord, we uh, we ask for uh, for the family of. Uh, Frank, Lord, and, and for Cinnamon, Lord, that uh, have suffered this loss, God, this time of year. Lord, I just uh, I ask you, Lord, that you'd make yourself known to them in this time, Lord, that, that you'd show them, Father, that you're there and that you care, Lord, that you love them, and, um, and that you've got this also. Um, we ask all these things, Lord, in, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Um, so, um, first thing you probably need to do is, is just usher a little warning out. So, like, if you start running your mouth too much around here about the church being the church, you can wind up in the pulpit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, uh, so, I found it yesterday morning, Brother Jim was down, and then he, he, uh, he asked me to, to come bring the message this morning. And, and I honestly, I, I thought about um, just 
continuing that video series. Uh, but that's kind of like phoning it in, in a way. I mean, like even though those those messages that we've been kind of looking at lately are very pertinent, and um, and I think that they are essential for growth for us as a church uh, and as, and individually. I guess probably individually first, and then as a church as a whole. Um, I think I think once we get that those messages maybe inside of us and start to realize um, what God's trying to teach us about first fruits. Um, I think it's all up from there. But, um, but today, I mean, yesterday I heard uh, T.C. talking about Advent and that Amanda was going to be singing some songs about Advent this morning. And, and uh, I started praying about that, and I felt like that the Lord, uh, which at first um, what I felt like he showed me was I thought kind of contrary to that, but then like um, the more I thought about it, I, I was thinking, you know, it's, it's the same message. It's just uh, it's kind of taking it back to square one. Um, I think this is a two-part message, maybe. Um, I think there's almost like two Advents, in a way. And uh, I think this is the first one. Uh, so, um, I hope we get through all of this. Um, I've basically copied and pasted the majority of the Old Testament. And that's what i got to read. Um, <clears throat> so, um, I... Again, Miss Miss Vicky knows this. Uh, she she was the one who's been encouraging me about writing. So uh, I'm, you know, when we talk about spiritual gifts, I don't know where writing falls into that. But like, I, I don't, I don't see myself as a preacher or a teacher uh, necessarily. But um, but I do I do like to write sometimes. Um, so most of this uh, the stuff that's not scripture here is just just my writing. Um. All right. So. Uh, Ever since the first Adam came along and through disobedience destroyed the perfection of life in the garden, all creation has been groaning for a second Adam, one who can make it all right again. All through the Old Testament scripture, there is an alluding to the one who would come. And through God's promises and prophecy, there are over 300 prophetic references to the coming Messiah. Some fascinating numbers that I found on the CBN website puts it this way. The Old Testament, written hundreds of years before Jesus' birth, contains over 300 prophecies that Jesus fulfilled through his life, death, and resurrection. Mathematically speaking, the odds of anyone fulfilling this amount of prophecy are staggering. Mathematicians put it this way. One person fulfilling eight prophecies is one in a large number that I can't say. <laughs> um, it's one, zero, zero. Zero zero zero, zero zero zero, zero zero zero, zero zero zero, zero zero zero. So, so one million, for these people here who are millionaires, y'all don't know what I'm talking about. Uh, one million has six zeros. Uh, one hundred million has eight zeros. One billion has nine zeros. This number has seventeen zeros. Uh, that that's just a person who fulfills uh, eight prophecies. We're talking about over 300. One person ful fulfilling 48 prophecies is one chance in 10 to the 157th power. Again, that's, that's just 48. One, per one person fulfilling 300 plus prophecies is only Jesus. <clears throat> All right, let's back up a minute. 
you get a better picture of the relation here between the first and the second Adam. Let's go back to square one, back to Genesis. <clears throat> in chapter one, we see God speaking everything into being except man. When he uses, <clears throat> when with man, he uses his hands. The Bible says that he made us into his image. And that's plural. If you go back and read that in Genesis, he says, let us make man in our image. And, um, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And, and I think maybe, you know, I wonder at times if, if what he's talking about, about, um, about making us in his image is, is maybe an earthly kind of a, a trinity, you know, that we, that we are. You know, this culture don't want to talk about that with us, but, but we are a three-part being. You know, we're, we're, we're body, and we're soul, and we're spirit. Um, and I think in some ways that, that kind of mirrors and, and magnifies the Holy Trinity. Um, then in verse 7, it says that he breathes life into us. Um, in Genesis chapter 1, we get the overall account of creation. Uh, but then in Genesis chapter 2, we get the breakdown of how day 6 actually went down. It was definitely a full day. Um, and to keep from having to read it. All of that. Let's go to Genesis uh, chapter 2, verse 7. And the Lord God formed man out of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. The man became a living soul, and the Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden. And there he put the man whom he had formed. And out of the ground made the Lord God to grow every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. The tree of Life also in the midst of the garden and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Um, the first time I've noticed that whenever I was studying for this is like, he, he's a little bit descriptive. Uh, Moses, by the power of the Spirit here, is a little bit descriptive about that, about um, how he formed man. I mean, he used some adjectives and adverbs in there as a descriptor, but, but like he just kind of throws that last part in there about the tree of life. And the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Like, he don't say a lot about it. He just kind of lays it there and lets it lie. <clears throat> we drop down in uh, verse 15. It says, And the Lord God took the man, and he put him in the garden to Eden to dress it and to keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat. But the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day that thou eatest thereof thou shalt surely die. Um, then we get down to uh, we'll drop on down we'll skip let's see well, let's go right into verse 18 and the Lord God said it's not good that man should be alone I will make him help me for him and out of the ground the Lord God formed every beast of the field <laughs> um, so God says and, and I, I kind of think that Adam is maybe a part of this conversation and he says um it's not good that you're alone, and and we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna make a help meet for you. We're gonna make you a helper that's suitable, that's compatible for you. Um, and then it goes right into verse 19. It says, "And out of the ground the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every fowl of the air, and brought them unto Adam to see what he would call them. And whatever Adam called every living creature, that was the name thereof. And Adam." gave names to all cattle and to the fowl of the air and to the beasts of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a help meet for him. So after hearing that he's got this helper coming, he spends all day hanging out with the Father, 
and taking in all the recreation. Because, you know, like in, in, in chapter 1, I mean, in, in, uh, in the first chapter of, of uh, Genesis, we see all those things being made. You know, all of creation came in in those first five days and then in, in part of the sixth day. But what's happening in the garden is like a recreation. Uh, if you go back and read that account again, you, you'll see what I'm talking about. Uh, like after all of creation, like man is like the, mat, like the last thing that he makes, except for woman. And uh, so after man is made, then he plants this garden in Eden, and then he takes the man and puts the man in the garden, and, and then he starts to recreate all of those animals that he just got through. It's, it's almost like this uh, special time of communion between God and man where, where God is bringing up all these things, just like, like maybe a, a daddy would do with a son who's, who's maybe taking him out hunting for the first time or you know, just took him out in the woods just to spend some time with him. And, and, and here's God and man, and he's, he's bringing up all these creatures out of the dirt, and, and he's asking Adam to name them for him. Um, so after hearing that he's, he's got a helper coming, he spends all day at, hanging out with the Father and, and taking in all the creation and getting to name all the creatures and coming to the end of that special time only to realize there's nothing suitable. We spent a whole day of looking at creation and, and there's not anything here that, that matches me. And the Lord God causes a deep sleep to fall upon Adam and he slept. And he took one of his ribs, and he closed up the flesh instead thereof. And the rib which the Lord God had taken from man made he woman and brought her unto man. And Adam said, This is now bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh, and she shall be called woman <clears throat> because she was taken out of man. Uh, I said before, I think this is a two-part message. Um, and I, if, if there's two things I could kind of call uh, attention to there before we kind of walk away from this, um, number one is that, that there was not there was not one found suitable. It's because she was taken out of man. The woman was taken from the first Adam. <clears throat> um, there's there's some Latin here that I I thought was interesting. Uh, whenever I went back and, and looked at these words. Uh, I, it's just, it's kind of, um, it's very interesting to me that God would use two different words for, for making or creating here between man and woman. Um, the word made he a woman is, um, it looks like to me that the word is, is bana, B-A-N-A-H. Um, but it says it is it's pronounced banal. And it's different from the word bara, B-A-R-A, or bara. Uh, that he used to describe the creation of Adam. Uh, bara, the Adam word, means to choose. Uh, like maybe to, uh, that he made some choices about what he wanted this lump of dirt to look like. You know, whenever he's forming Adam, he's, he's got some, maybe some specific ideas in mind about what, about what he's shaping this lump of clay to look like. Um... <laughs> um But when Eve, with Eve, he uses the word bana, which means to build. Or then, when it comes to the woman, he built her. Um, 
And that's all I'm going to say about that. I'm just going to leave that saying right there uh, about women being built and men being whatever, thrown into a lump of clay. Um, and the woman saw, <clears throat> we're going to uh, Genesis 3, 6 now. And the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was pleasant to the eye and, the, and, and a tree to be desired to make one wise. And she took of the fruit thereof and did eat and gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. And the eyes of them both were opened, and they, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed thick leaves together and made themselves aprons. That's to me, um, that's to me probably maybe the most sad verse in the Bible. Um, this one it all changed. Um, okay, so we jump forward uh, about 4,000 years here. 300 plus prophecies later, the blood of countless bulls and goats and the groaning of a creation for about four millennia for God to somehow save this broken mess. And we enter the second Adam. John 1, 1 puts it this way. He says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. And the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him. And without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life. And the life was the light of men. And the light shineth in the darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. Um, I have probably read that countless times. And I have always thought that... um, that word there that it, um, in the beginning was the word, the word word. Um, that word is is logos. And for some reason or another, I always just kind of thought that uh, he's talking about the written word, that that word was in the beginning. But but that word was not in the beginning. Um, I just read what I got written here. It says. I thought all my life that it meant the written word, but the definition is is the embodying of an idea, a statement, a speech, or a divine utterance. In other words, this is the person who helps speak, breathe all things into existence. And then he chose, that word while ago that we looked at about Adam, he chose, breathed man into existence. <clears throat> and so... Um, when we look back at creation from John 1, 1, we look back at creation. We look at, at, at how those parallels are between the first part of John and the first part of Genesis. Um, when he's talking about the Word becoming flesh, he's talking about that thing that, that breathed into existence everything that is. Uh, to speak or to breathe. Uh, sometimes, I don't know, but maybe it, if you know some Jewish people, sometimes if you hear somebody speak um, in, a, in a native Jewish tongue, like if there's a lot of things that, like, that they say that you think that they're fixing to spit. Uh, have you ever noticed that? You know, like uh, it's almost like they're clearing their throat sometimes about the things that they're saying. It, it's, uh, so sometimes their speaking is almost like a breath. Um, and I, I see this, I see this in creation. Uh, whenever, whenever God is speaking things into existence, He's literally just breathing a thing um, from nothing. Uh, 
And so whenever John is describing this here again, I think he's saying the same thing again, that this word, not this written word, but, but this idea, this, this idea who has, you know, an idea that, that goes back more than 4,000 years is the embodiment of this idea. He has come into existence. Um, the last part of that verse says, And the light shineth into darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. Um, this timeless, divine, all-powerful breath of life has now come to earth in the form of a vulnerable, eight-pound, helpless human baby. And the breath has turned into tiny cries in the night. And with all of heaven looking on, and the darkness of man and of angels no doubt wondering, God, what are you doing? And God says, I'm going to do it myself. first Adam saw the absolute love of his life overtaken in her sin and was helpless to save her and so instead he joined her the second Adam saw the absolute love of his life overtaken in her sin and he became her he lived a sinless life paid the unthinkable price that she was unable to pay and purchased her back from the curse that she was under. And the, and the bride that the first Adam wasn't able to save, who was literally taken out of his side, that bride is now redeemed and made whole by finding life back inside the second Adam. That's Advent. Um, I think next we're going to um, observe Lord's Supper. <clears throat>